Hello, and welcome back to Tales from the Pit. This is your content warning. This episode deals heavily with sexual harassment, both in the workplace and on social media. We, of course, hope that hearing from a victim of a sexual predator will encourage other victims and let them know that they're not alone in their experience. That said, if you are easily triggered by these topics, you've been warned. This episode features two firsts for this show. One, this is our first remote interview. I was in Los Angeles interviewing Talia from her home in New York. And the only reason I bring that up is there's a little bit of mic noise at about 45 minutes in, but it does go away after a minute or two, and I'm sorry for the technical error. Secondly, this will be the first Tales from the Pit with no introduction from me. The whole goal of speaking with Talia was for me to learn more about my role in workplace sexual harassment and amplify the voice of a victim. So it seems kind of counterproductive for me to start with an indulgent short story about myself. So to that end, let's get right to the interview, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Are you? Do you have allergies? No, like I seasonal allergies. No, I'm. Okay. I'm. I legitimately like. Um, I got sick. I got like a chest mm-hmm. cold, and I had like a really bad cough. Um, I wasn't able to get off of work because it was the holiday weekend. So literally every other person um, who could take my shift was not in the state. Um, mm. And so I had to go to work, I think it was like Friday and Saturday. And I just felt awful. And now that I've had my two days off, it's sort of like I've been allowed to get sick all over again. Sure. <laughs> um, and so that's where I'm at. Um, but you are... In the pit. See, you didn't even know it. Oh. I we were descending in a rusty bucket, well bucket, a la Goonies this whole time. I love it. I was so wondering why it felt so familiar, so homely. <laughs> well, it's our time. It's our time down here. I never understood what that meant. Um, could you please introduce yourself, my fabulous guest on this episode of Tales from the Pit? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Talia Jane. I am a writer, uh, a person with a cold whose congestion is making mm-hmm. it difficult for me to think of other descriptors. Uh, smoothie artist? <laughs> do, do they go the subway route and call you an artist? Well, yeah, you have to take the subways around New York. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. We double puns, yeah. and now I'm in a place where I don't know what we're actually talking about. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I'm, my name is Talia. I'm mm-hmm. five foot one. I live in New mm-hmm. York. I do writing things. Yeah. Um, and in fact, is your book your book proposal is due today? Is that correct? It's uh, it's actually this week. I thought it was today, but it was the week of the twenty sixth. So oh, okay. So I have. I some tried time. to raise the stakes unsuccessfully, but I started working uh, on it today, though. <laughs> right, but Talia did recently. Uh, secure representation, right? Literary representation. I did. I have myself what they call an agent. So you're out pitching. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I have to do a book proposal this week. Uh, It's because I wrote an article that uh, went viral, but in a way that like, Mm -hmm. it was just a lot of people being like, holy shit, this is my life. Um, Yeah. 
So that's exciting. Uh, I had this agent that was like, hey, you're a prolific short form writer. And I was like, I'll stop you right there. I just do a lot of tweets. (laughs) But it was like, do you have any? That's a nice way to say that. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, do you have any book ideas? And I was like, actually, I do. And fun fact, I was trying to look for the notes that I had written to myself when I thought of it. And Mm -hmm. I remember that I emailed it to myself because my notes app had been very wonky. And it was almost a year to the day. Sorry to interrupt, but was it Evernote? No, it was just the the, okay. the notes app on my iPhone. All right. Yeah. Okay. Please continue. <laughs> well, it was like a year to the day um, mm-hmm. when I came up with the idea. And then when I ended up meeting with this literary agent and gave her like a very rough idea of what I was thinking. And she was like, let's fucking do it. Um which was very Are you eerie. a superstitious person? Is was a year to the day? Like do you take that as an omen? I do because then when I was Good. I have Great. I <laughs> I pick up I pick up like weird stuff. Um there's like mm-hmm. a day I was trying to sign the agreement and my printer uh, I thought it only had three pages in it. And I was like, oh, that's great because it's three pages long. The agreement this is going to work out beautifully. Mm. And it turned out it had four pages. And also I didn't have any ink. So it stopped printing. Like it only got through like the first two pages. And I was like, yeah. oh, no, this is a bad omen. And I texted two of my neighbors asking if I could uh, use their printer. And both of them said, I don't have any black ink. And also it's 1130 at night. Black ink is the... The diamond of the ink kingdom. Like that's yeah. that's all you really want. Yeah. It's the chocolate in the Neapolitan of ink. Yeah, I tried to like change the color uh, of the text mm-hmm. to like continue printing it. And oh, so it, it could print in yeah, green. It wouldn't work. It just kept printing blank pages. And I was like, this is a really bad omen. Um, but then the next day, um, after I figured out how to sign it and everything, it was all settled. Um, I actually wrote about that process a little bit on Twitter because it was very eerie um Mm -hmm. the next day I was talking to a friend and I was like I'm gonna be alone forever and he was like no one's fate or is guaranteed except for that of the hermit and I was like what I don't don't get it and then I went into my room and I had these tarot cards under my desk that like Mm -hmm. I never use they just sit there and because I don't like how do you get rid of tarot cards I don't think you can you just have to have them forever. Shredder. <laughs> I'm not going to test the universe by shredding tarot cards. Okay. In any I case. I didn't realize how much was going to come from my question, <laughs> are you superstitious? You're quite superstitious, I would say. I had tarot cards fall on the floor, and the only one that was uh-huh. facing up was the hermit. Hermit crab. It was <laughs> yeah. the hermit. And I was like, what the fuck? And all the other cards were talking about how you have to make a decision, and you have to like... um think about like your choices uh and mm-hmm. do a lot of deep thinking and leave your it was basically like leave your day job and i was like and lower your standards and date across the old hermit yeah. well the hermit was me you know i know i know so i should date myself but in any case it was, just, it was just really fucking eerie also my lucky pen yeah. that i had used to finally sign the agreement once I got it all sorted, had fallen on top of the cards. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, I don't try to be superstitious, but this is a lot. Sure. This is a little bit more. I'm like, should I sage my apartment? Can I get a priest in here? This feels like 
creepy. I recommend everyone smudge their apartment with sage regularly just because it smells awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Um, but sadly, as we are in the pit. Oh, yeah. And that's all the time we have to be pleasant. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Let's get depressing. Um, but I think even people who aren't familiar with you intimately are now firmly on the side of knowing how cool you are and rooting for you and all being happy about your book deal. Uh, but I am here to ask about an article that I believe I also saw on Twitter that affected my life greatly, mm. uh, which concerned our mutual coworker, ex coworker. Yeah. Uh, I never knew I to this. Is it Mac Leasty or Mac lady? I think it's lady. Okay. Mac lady who wrote is John cheese. Um, well, I mean, I'm going to, I am going to say the boilerplate cause I mean it. And I know it means a lot to our audience. Thank you for being so brave and, coming on and willing to talk about this I think it will be helpful for a lot of people out there uh, especially as we continue to find out and find out and find out and by we I guess I mean men because I think women already knew this that uh, workplace harassment and and outside of the workplace harassment is just so shockingly ubiquitous and now women are speaking up about that well anyone who's the victim of harassment but Basically, I'm going to shut up for a while, and I'd love if you could walk us through what led to you posting on Twitter and what happened. Uh, well, let's see. So for the past year or more, no, I think it's been two years at least, um, there's just been like this intensity in the news about men who have abused their power to in some way harass or intimidate other people, largely women. And when I first started hearing of uh, other people like Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby and things like that, um, I remembered a lot of, and this, this is the same for a lot of people out there, I remembered a lot of my own experiences. Um, and I felt like I was co- sort of excavating them and re-examining them in the light of the present and realizing like, oh, this was an unacceptable situation and I didn't do enough um, to, like I I did enough uh, to protect myself, but not necessarily to protect others. And that kind of built and snowballed into the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and it got to a point where I was just like, consistently thinking every time um Brett Kavanaugh things were in the news I kept thinking about myself and I it was it was at some point that I actually reached out to Mac's wife um I think that was last October and I was like this was before Kavanaugh but I I told her privately like um your husband sexually harassed me and via Twitter DMs in a way that made me feel like I had to go along with it. Otherwise, he could jeopardize my future uh, in freelancing for the site that he is an editor and columnist on. And um, I ended up going to some trusted people at the site, at Cracked, and I 
um, I told them. Yeah, it's not a band word <laughs> on our network. You're good. Okay. I, I, Dan O'Brien's the only one who religiously avoids saying it. All right. He calls it the old place. Oh, yeah. oh Dan. Anyway. Oh, he's got deep scars oh, from that. Well, I, I don't blame him. Anyway. Um, so I went, I went to some people and I showed them screenshots. And I actually uh, confided in... Uh, Robert Evans, who had been like my one-on-one editor at the time, after we'd gone to see a movie, and I was like, "We're friends, right?" And he was like, "Yeah," mm. and I was like, "Okay, so can I tell you this?" And it had been eating me up for uh, a couple weeks at that point, I think. And I finally told him, and I just broke down in tears. And he like drove us back to his apartment where I had parked my car because we had met up earlier that mm. day. Um, I like I told him and. He set it up so that I could speak to some other people at the company. And then the ultimate decision from Demand Media was to move John Cheese slash Mac Lady off of his column and instead just have him as a managing editor. Um, apparently, when... Still freely and directly interacting with writers, yeah. though, in that capacity, um, right? Yeah. yeah, that doesn't really change or address anything. No, so I ended up feeling like the people I was working with... I knew that like I could trust in them and I could work with them, but I still, mm-hmm. in the back of my head, I was like, there's a chance he's going to see something of mine and he's going to be the voice that um, nixes it, that he, he's, he's the one that's like, no, this isn't going to happen. Um, and so right. I just inherently felt like I had kind of lost. Like I, I still tried. Right. I still and tried. I think something um, people who haven't been freelance comedy writers, which is most people, don't know is, uh, and it's it's always a struggle to find any kind of equanimity in the writer's room because the writer's room almost always is a formatless debate of people yelling jokes. So even though to various levels people try to shrug their ego off, uh, there's like a whole weird social element, of course, too. Yeah. The people's jokes are going to get through because they pull their weight around. Yeah. If, uh, I mean, like, you know, Seth MacFarlane stops by and says one joke, they're going to put that joke in. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I don't think that that was ever necessarily um, the risk, but just the thought of him interacting with my content, um, of being like potentially having a say in the headline or. Um, uh, like changing jokes or something like that because I had had experiences where as an act of like retaliation I had an editor change the headline on a piece that I wrote that completely mm-hmm. threw the entire piece and people got really mad at it it was very like simple I mean it was a good piece but because the edit like the the headline was changed um, it completely threw the entire thesis and right. so people didn't even read the piece and they just Which got mad at the headline. The wrath of creepy internet people, yeah. right? So like that like that's one of the that piece that I'm talking about now is one of the one of my favorites um, that I've ever written. Mm-hmm. And yet because of the headline and because the headline was changed by someone whose advances I spurned, um, it has a mm. very negative connotation. But going back to back to how I came about tweeting all of this. Um, right. I had reached out to his wife and she was like, I'm so sorry that happened. I knew he was talking to women, 
but you know, he's been in therapy and I was like, holy shit, he's, he's doing like, to me, like internally, I was like, he's quote unquote talking to other women. And yet the way he spoke to me, just being some newbie freelancer, he slid into my DMs and was saying things about being like the most well-read columnist on the internet um, and how he has like a massive platform and following just like right off the bat. And I was like, wow, that's cool. I like to be somewhere near that someday. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of just diverged into like, you're pretty, you're beautiful. I want to push you up against a wall and fuck you. He randomly Mm. messaged me that one on my birthday. Um, And I distinctly remember it because I was in the parking lot at Target on the phone with one of my oldest friends um, because she'd called me because it was my friggin' birthday. And Mm -hmm. I saw it pop up on my phone and I just immediately groaned. And I was like, this fucking guy. It's just like, like I felt like rage, you know? That's what, okay, that's exactly what I was going to ask is I'm wondering. It just what the inner emotional process oh, for you was like a hundred percent did you it was, feel violated at all or I don't more know just like I, oh fuck this guy i felt like it was a continued effort to violate me and that the effort right, was but you're not gonna let it yeah happen. the effort was to dominate me and mm-hmm. to use his power as like one of the most prolific columnists or whatever that like unquote. no one's ever heard of online um, like to use that, um, to make me a willing participant in whatever needs that he is exerting on me. And I knew early on, I was like, oh, okay, this is what's happening. Um, right. And, well, he's kind of gaslighting his wife clearly as well. I mean, I can't speak to their relationship, but right. from what I've heard from a lot of people, it does seem that there's like a pattern. We'll get into that. But Again, we're gonna try. I keep going off track here. I'm not trying to push no, no, you no, out no, on I'm, the limb. It's not the gotcha. No, pit. I'm going off track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm personally taking myself off the track and then jumping off a cliff here sure. into the pit. Um, I decided to tweet about it because it was, I think, the day or two days before I'd gotten to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm gonna write about it in a big medium post and just purge all of this out of me because all of this Kavanaugh stuff is reminding me constantly of this experience where a man Mm -hmm. tried to use his um, authority and power to intimidate me and make me smaller and make like just objectify me so I wrote it all out this big long thing and I um, I messaged two of the people that I had confided in um, at Cracked and I was like can you endorse like that what I'm saying is accurate and also can I use your name and mm. of those only one person gave me the okay um, to use his name but both of them confirmed like yeah this this lines up um, with my memory of events the chronology yeah. yeah and so I was like prepared you know and having that knowing that there are people willing to vouch for it um, it mm-hmm. somehow made it less urgent to share a big, long thing. 
And instead, I. Do you think that was more? That was definitely that just you like had purging it, it out, yeah. and it had been purged, yeah. or that it was nice to know that there were good people still existed, or a bit of both. It was kind of like if I decided to say this, I'm protected, so I don't need to give every single teeny tiny detail. I can just give mm-hmm. the overview, and if asked, I can provide those details, and I have people who can vouch for it. Um, so with that, I actually went on Facebook, which is dead and we should not use it. Um, and I posted like, well, I'm just going to say it. And it was basically like two paragraphs. like, this is what happened to me. This is how it made me feel. And it's unacceptable. And I'm saying it now because the news cycle is exhausting. Um, and then I posted on Twitter and, uh, I think, uh, Katie Stoll was the first person uh, associated, affiliated with Cracked to come out and in support, you know, um, mm-hmm. and to be like, I believe Talia, this is fucked up. And then from that, I started receiving messages from people who had had experiences with uh, Mac Lady. And it was, it, it, it immediately turned into just like this insane. Right. It's one of those situations where one voice coming out, you immediately have like, oh, now it's eight accusations. Well, yeah. that's pretty close case. <laughs> yeah. As far as I'm concerned. There was, yeah. there was multiple women coming out saying like, he randomly followed me and I just thought he was like some writer guy. I have friends that also followed him. So I followed him back and then he would tell me how beautiful I was just out of the blue. And it was really uncomfortable. Or he would tell, like, prospective writers, like, really sexualized things and mm-hmm. make them feel like they were not good writers unless, like, because the only reason he is interested in them was physically. Um, and right. so that kind of, like, that was what really irked me and pissed me off because that is the core of what happens when there is an environment where it's acceptable or not at least not frowned upon um right to intimidate and oppress is that people leave a field um they leave a job rather than deal with it yeah yeah, they leave a career major like in college um because they're being told not rather than dealing with it they're being told this is not a safe space for me I cannot exist mm-hmm. in this space. So I am going to pursue something else that is similar, that I can learn to love, because it's clear that the people that exist here are full of knives and yeah, venom. And was it not hard enough already trying to be a freelance internet comedy writer? It's not like the yeah. securest career path as it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're trying to make poop jokes on the internet mm-hmm. in like the 2000s as though poop jokes haven't existed for 50,000 years or whatever. Probably like, 2,000, yeah. The longer. dinosaurs wrote poop jokes, I am certain of it. Um, But yeah, it's so it's... I think it's one of the areas that we don't really look at because we know we're, we're familiar mm-hmm. with like the issues in journalism, sexual harassment that happens in journalism. And we're familiar with the sexual harassment 
that happens in comedy spaces. But there's very or Hollywood sets because we always start with the celebrities because yeah. we're obsessed with them. Yeah. But there's there's very little that's being said about the environment for freelance comedy writers who are just trying mm-hmm. to write a fucking listicle about Home Alone Two, you know? Um, right. Like these are people who are just thinking up weird, fun shit and creating and right or of course any job that's just a situation where the person above you can stand in the way of your career moving forward which is quite a few trades work that way yeah and to to you know the way that a lot of people find cracked or they they find um their voice as a writer um Mm -hmm is through open forums like that exist at Cracked and the ability for people of any, like uh, of any background to pitch and hone their pitches and, and learn and grow and kind of develop their own foundation and to be a person that's part of that community, that's part of the foundation that these people are coming to to try and develop their own from to be one of those people and you're basically just this lecherous mm-hmm. bottom feeder motherfucker potato face yeah. like to do that is not just an abuse of your own authority it is yeah. a complete um like devastation of a lot of like sort of like i just see it almost as like the veins that connect people to the heart of creating. Or even society. Like Vonnegut said, you know, we don't need more love. We need common courtesy. It's like rejecting the social contract. Like the whole, I mean, it's denying meritocracy. And I mean, there's much worse aspects of it than that. But it's just interesting to me that it's also... uh, at odds with even the idea that, you know, as cavemen, we can all get together and form a society and fucking be decent. Yeah. Like I, someone said on a podcast a while ago and it stuck in my brain. There's a very, no, you know, you aren't on podcast. That's I right. don't know what podcasts are. Um, I was like, there's a very, very slim chance it was you, but it's not. Um, but it is a cracked freelancer. Oh, well, I can't remember. But they said, uh, as a minor aspect of this, like as people come out and come out and come out, the accusations about Jeffrey Tambor, I think it just come out. It's like, can you just not rape anyone so I can watch your fucking show? Like it's such a, yeah. s- a low bar in terms of what I thought we all agreed to as, as we grew up and became functioning members of society. Yeah. So when this all came out, it was, it was very, uh, eye-opening for me and I think a lot of the top level male writers at Cracked or like the long-term people uh, especially because Mac obviously it, it's not like um, delu- there was no delusional aspect Mac obviously knew this was fucked up because even people who interacted with him regularly had not he didn't drop any clues you know he didn't talk 
about wanting to fuck certain women when it was just the guys or whatever. Yeah. He reserved that behavior for when he was alone in a position of power. And like cowardly means like DMs on the fucking internet. Yeah. Uh, which is like the coward's playground now. But uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I don't know what I'm getting at. So I'll just turn the mic back to you. But with an impetus, which is... I would love to know, because I have a feeling this is, you know, as we all know now, a more common daily problem that people have to deal with than we like to think about. Uh, For you, was like, it seems like you use writing as self-care. Was that purged? Did that really do it for you? Do you feel like this event is processed and has passed you by? did you like, I'm just wondering what the emotional aspect was, especially because I would wonder, did your rage subside after you felt some support from the community or is the rage still there? Is the rage now directed at society as a whole or the people in the company who didn't respond adequately to what Mac did? All that. My rage subsided when Cracked scrubbed every single one of his articles and columns from the site over the 10 plus Mm -hmm. years that he wrote for them. And then it came back when the company that owns Cracked, I think it's uh, Scripps, refused to do the same for uh, JF Sargent, who has physically abused... Uh, and psychologically abused multiple women um, to such an Mm -hmm. extent that, you know, they've had to seek safety and protection from him. And again, the company shuffled him around, Mm -hmm. so that's clearly their policy is shuffle people around Um, so we don't get sued. I can't, I probably shouldn't disclose this, but from what I was told, my understanding of it is that um, they were very aware that he had presented this, like that he was being this person. And it was just sort of like, well, he's not doing that at work. So it's fine. You know, oh, okay, cool. So you're just wow. going to give a platform to a guy who is abusing women. Um, and you're just going to, Say, well, you know, as long as he's not punching him in the face here, he can do whatever he wants at home. Like, <laughs> You don't think that affects the culture yeah, of the workplace, you don't think for God's that, sake? That yeah. affects morale, first of all. It affects the mm-hmm. reputation right. of the company um, as a place that's not safe and should not be supported, especially when your company runs off of fucking ads. Like, right, yeah. Like, what are you trying to and do? And in exchange for... Being, I mean, Cracked's whole claim to fame was comedy with a college degree or whatever. Like, it's trying to be educational. David Wong certainly writes as if he has a lot of wisdom to teach mm-hmm. you. Uh, I don't think Cracked shies away from trying to mold the way people think. So, right. And so to act, uh, so to that act, you need to be doubly careful. I mean, right? I, I've found that this has kind of been a very apt thing in a lot of circumstances. And it's that apathy is violence. Because apathy mm-hmm. is saying, I don't personally care that you're getting your head bashed through a wall. And that's saying, therefore, 
your head is going to continue being bashed into a wall. I'll stand here. I'm aware that it's happening. But, you know, it's not happening in my house, so I'm not going to do anything about it. Um, And that same concept goes over into a lot of different areas when it comes to social justice. It comes to the the migrant families seeking asylum right now or um, the fight for a living wage. That apathy that we receive from those at the top, whether it's at a company or at the government, uh, it it results in violence. You know, right. if you if if your neighbor is being drowned and you just close your door on them and you go to bed, you have helped them drown. Of course, you know? and I think it's similar to the. Even though there was quite a turnout for the midterms, the it's still true that the youngest voting block, if they all voted, could control everything about all oh, 100%. policy millennials are the- and it's their future like they have the longest future ahead yeah. of them to secure and navigate why the fuck not like i don't understand why they don't vote in record numbers well, but the trouble with that is that the status quo is set that it's not cool or important to vote and um you couple that with vast like issues with voting and um, all of these barriers and restrictions, which, you know, admittedly, if you are really, really like, I'm going to fucking vote today. Like, if you are mm-hmm. super gung-ho, they're not going to be necessarily um, as intense as the media has made them out to be um, in terms of voting restrictions and and, and issues with that. Right. But um, when you're... 20 years old and you don't think that the midterms are important because you weren't taught in school that they were important and none of your friends are voting because they also weren't taught in school that it's important and the only people that you're hearing from screaming about how it's important is like your older cousins who are psychos and are Mm -hmm. talking about things like mortgages and taxes and a living wage and these issues that you haven't fully become cognizant of yet you're like, well, I mean, it doesn't really seem that important. But I'll turn out for the presidential election because that's the president. Um, right. We. That's the celebrity of politics. Yeah, we don't. Which we don't, is. Uh, it's ironic. That's why I finally did see the wisdom in the British system where there's a prime minister that people care about if they're into politics but is not flashy in any yeah. way and is getting shit done. I always thought it was so silly. Like, why have the king and queen if they're meaningless figureheads? But it's actually a great system because you basically just have a president plus these random old celebrities that act like they're important to distract all the morons. Just look at the queen and king and that's fine. Yeah. And the prime minister doesn't have to also be a celebrity because, of course... We are now living the ultimate iteration of rewarding the celebrity president. Reality TV star becomes president. Yeah. Like, what did you expect? It's the end of that pattern. It's not good. Um, okay. It's, not good. it's the end of the it's world. It's my job to, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But as we said, if the grid goes down, books will become more precious than ever. So you're in the right business. We'll see. If I get the, if I get the book deal, we'll see. I still yeah. have to finish writing the proposal. I've written uh, one page so far, and it's mostly bullet points. 
And I bet you are not equipped with the right amount of paper and ink because that seems like a pattern. Of yours. <laughs> well, you know, the trouble is, is that I didn't expect that I was going to be getting a, a, a book proposal. Um, so mm-hmm. I just didn't buy any ink. For some reason, I have... Even after all the omens? Even after all the omens. Well, the, the omens were after. <laughs> and I'm like... Okay, I'm that's just, true. I'm just writing yeah, it on a, your I'm just going to write card. it on like a Google yeah. Doc and sure. and email that. And if the agent is like, we need this printed, I'll be like, can I visit your office real quick? Do <laughs> 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 you use your printer. I just like to look someone in the eyes when I sign a contract. Yeah. Really? No, I need your printer. <laughs> can I make, you have a fax machine here? That's amazing. Yeah. Who do you fax? 1992? You get faxes from the uh, future. So I do see how this all bears on the topic of the episode, but yeah. for the sake of the audience, it's my job to drag us back into the past. Oh, yeah. I want us, uh, there's basically, there's at least two, sort of two more areas I want to talk about, which is I'm wondering how you felt about, because Mac had moved on from Cracked at the point that this all became public onto a new site called Modern Rogue. <sighs> And there was a back and forth about, like, it took several iterations of going, come on, guys, do the fucking right thing, you idiots, before they would remove him. So, again, it did smack of this feeling of, like you're saying about Sarge, uh, that happened at his previous job. Mm-hmm. Like, that is well, done. Our hands are clean. We cannot be sued by people with morality. Like, you cannot look down on us. Um, but it seems to me that. And I'm not someone who believes in punishment for punishment's sake, although I did want to ask what you, I, I guess what I'm getting at is what do you feel is appropriate justice or even just response to the situation. But in my mind, it's as simple as at the very least, he can't, he's still in a position to be able to replicate that behavior. Yeah, exactly. Without ever that's having why, like, yeah, that's why I called for addressed it. it. So at least that. But I'm wondering if you have more complex thoughts or more to say about how to, how should creeps in companies be handled? Well, um, for for Mac at least, um, mm-hmm. I called for him to resign from Modern Rogue, which he did. Um, because again, he was an editor in chief there. And even though it was apparently a huge sausage fest, um, full of super dumbass, like pickup artist type dudes. Um, yeah. There, One of their defenses was, well, no women work here. Yeah. So he, I was like, no you dumb harass. asshole. That's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh my, my sound levels just went way up. Um, but, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> okay. But like, so that happened. And mm-hmm. um, the reason why I was calling for him to resign is because, like you said, he could replicate this behavior. There's no guarantee that a person who has abused public platforms riding off of his celebrity, if you will, the fact that he's a verified Twitter account um, mm-hmm. alone makes him sort of slightly elevated the fact that he had double digit like i think he was like maybe thirty thousand followers that sets him as like a a different level within the small circle he's in it's it's still still very sizable and um you know i know people who they see that someone verified has followed them and even if it's just someone verified who's like 
follow me for yoga guru tips. They're going to follow them <laughs> back because they, they, for some reason, they see a value in just like the verifiedness of a person on Twitter. Um, Applied six times, always rejected. <laughs> well, uh, what you have to do is you have to say that you're afraid of being um, copied. Oh, yeah. Or targeted by Antifa, then they'll support uh, No, targeted by um, <laughs> people who are looking to duplicate your online persona. Um, right, right, right. Or sell my material. Yeah. like That's a good, I've never tried that angle. I'll try it that. Works Thank you. every time. Nice. Uh, I have names that I'm not going to say on a podcast because I'm not a douchebag, but we could talk about it later. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was verified and I did that. I was like... Here's my fucking Wikipedia. And, you know, I'm kind of worried that people are going to pretend to be me because I'd undergone so much harassment. And it was in like three hours that I was verified. And then I hated it. Wow. I hated being verified. (laughs) Oh, because you felt like you didn't get it. I was working as a dishwasher. Why the fuck am I verified Uh online? I am nobody. (laughs) And yet there's people that like when I make a statement online, um, being verified, it's like immediately you're saying it from a place of, of authority. And you're so like, there's well, people constantly looking to tear it yeah. apart. And I was like, this is awful. And then there are people who, who thought that I was treating them differently because they were perceiving me differently. Really? Yeah. Oh, you've changed. Yeah. You used to be you, cool, yeah. Talia, before you, really you were changed. verified. I'm like, I'm tweeting about pooping. Like... That's the new hipster th- like vinyl. It's like I liked her old stuff before she was verified. Yeah, she was a prolific short form writer. I don't know what she is now. Yeah, so I, I de-verified myself because. Oh. Yeah, uh, fun fact. That makes you so cool. I bet you can do it just by changing. That could be a new movement. No, you just change your Twitter handle for a second, and it like mm-hmm. breaks the coding or whatever. So then you're not yeah. verified anymore. And. Oh, it feels so good. And I'm going to have to be verified again soon. I just know it. I hate it. Anyway. Kanye's next move is he's going to de-verify himself and be like, what? And then then I'll be like, motherfucker, I did that two years ago. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) In any case, um, back to Mac. Um, The Mm -hmm. issue is that when when your job is cultivating freelance voices, it's a lot of engaging on social media. It's a lot of engaging with people through a screen. And all of those things are the mode through which he harassed mm-hmm. women and made women feel uncomfortable for oh, we over have, a mean, decade. Coworkers aside, right. Well, I hadn't even thought about the leverage he has over someone who's coming to him because they're a fan of his writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and it was anyone. stuff. There was a girl, I think she was like 16, and he started like DMing her about how pretty she was. And she was like... Uh, I just followed you because I'm a fan. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. like she's a child, and this guy's yeah. being like, "Oh, but you're so beautiful." She's like, "Yeah, I'm also underage. What the fuck?" Yeah, thank God. <laughs> like, I was just following he, you because I'm a like fan fishing. of your work, yeah. and now you're being this hideous monster, not only <laughs> yeah. destroying my childhood innocence, but also the quality of your work, because now when you look at um, all the things that he had written before where he talks shit about women, but it was like, oh, it's a joke. And you're like, oh, no, it's not a joke. 
he really right. believes these things. And oh my god, you know, yeah, Louis Louis's materials night and day. Exactly. Like, like I did. There there are a couple specials of his so that I remember why, laughing hysterically when it was abstract. Yeah. When you realize when he's you just actually talking about his life, it's hilarious. You're like, this is a nightmare. Yeah. This is someone admitting to crimes on stage and no one does anything. Which is actually like the worst comedy because. If you can't yeah. be funny telling just like the truth as it is, then you're actually a really fucking bad comedian. Like if you can't mm-hmm. make the truth comedic, knowing that it's the truth, that you're mm, no man. If you have to say like, it oh, it's a, a hypothetical. Well. I once strangled my lo- my wife hypothetically, and then it's hilarious. That's funny it's as like, long as it's abstract. But then like all of a sudden, taboo, all of a sudden, right. oh no, actually no, I, I literally did strangle my wife. And you're like, what? like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not comedy. That's just no. Yeah. That's just you confessing, like you said. Um, but so to remove someone, to remove Louis C.K. from performing stand-up and being in comedy, to remove Mac from being an online uh, blogger, um, to remove these mm-hmm. people from these places, to remove Harvey Weinstein from his company, is to remove from these men the tool through which. They abused their power. They gained power through this thing, through Harvey Weinstein's company, through Max writing, through uh, Louis C.K.'s mm-hmm. stand-up. And then they used that to abuse and oppress women and, and just people in general. Um, That's why step one is so that should step go one right. Is it's you, not you arbitrary. Remove, I mean, <laughs> it's like someone has lung cancer and they're, smoke, they're chain smoking four packs of cigarettes a day. Uh, you take away the cigarettes, right? right? And you put them on oxygen. And we can talk about details and case by case later, right. but... Uh, like, first things first, yeah, is I you, think people, you remove yeah. from them the tool that they are using to commit these dumbass things. Right. That's such a great point, because I think a lot of uh, people I would call dumb assholes... Um, but they won't know who they are because no one hears that and thinks of themselves. Um, I think of myself when I hear someone say Say asshole. that, oh no. <laughs> well, we'll have to work on, we'll have a low self-esteem episode later. Yeah, the, with, yeah. the emotion pit. Yeah, definitely. We'll but uh, you hear the counter argument a lot that like it's arbitrary, but I think you've explained so beautifully that in entertainment, losing your career is not arbitrary. That's... It's not even punishment. Like people talk, I, I've already seen articles from mainstream things that are like, has Louis done enough time <laughs> to come back? And you're like, is he still a fucking You literally just there? used an analogy, right? He should literally face some jail time mm-hmm. as your analogy and your headline explains. So no, um, taking his career away is the minimum yeah. sensible thing to do. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. Like, I think we, um, romanticize people in creative fields as somehow um separate from like normal life as though me being Mm -hmm. a writer makes it impossible for me to also make smoothies or sandwiches or wash dishes for a living when reminder you could be a heroin addict and say it makes my writing better and people would be like all right maybe that's the key to her writing i was verified on twitter while my day job (laughs) was washing dishes like it's not like you can have both <laughs> you can have it sure. all the the notoriety and also the eczema from dish soap um 
I think Chuck Palahniuk was a bus mechanic when he found out he sold Fight Club. <laughs> nice. So there you go. There you go. Um, but, like, oh, I forgot where I was going with this. Um, oh, that's my fault. I'm no, sorry. No, no. Oh, I remember now. Um, to say people in creative fields are somehow exempt when if your manager at Staples took you into a room and jacked off in front of you, he would lose his job, despite the fact right. that it was like at his home. You're still coworkers, and he would, and face he was legal using charges. the fact that he yeah. is your manager to do this thing. If my manager at my sandwich job started texting me about how she wanted to push me up against a wall and fuck me, she would lose her job. She's not going to do that because she's a wonderful, kind person <laughs> who's happily married. Um, this is going to be the only podcast she ever listens to. Yeah. And she's like, that Talia doesn't look care for me at all. <laughs> I think we think that because a person who works in a field that isn't necessarily you know, uh, minimum wage, blue collar, uh, where the bureaucracy is a lot stronger and more blatant, we think, oh, well, no, it's kind of okay. Like, it's not that big of a deal. No, it is a big deal because your manager um, sexually harassing you makes you think, oh, I shouldn't work at this company. And when this company is writing online... That's an entire industry that you're stepping away from. Or producing movies that are educating our shared vision of how the world works. Acting, music, all these different spaces. Like These are jobs that are being lost because creepy dickholes can't stop thinking that they are the fucking God's gift to women and that they deserve to just trample around wherever they feel like and use people like objects. And I do think that there's a perception that because we're in the arts or something, that, right, like Louis is no one's direct manager. Well, yeah, because there's not a traditional hierarchy in this career path, <clears throat> in this career path. But I think a lot of people think like, oh, artists are weird or uh, things are more permissible. And it's just so... It's a, it's a special problem, I think, in entertainment, yeah. which isn't to say it's not rampant in all of society, but it does seem like there's this feeling that, oh, well, they're Hollywood weirdos anyway, so Yeah, but like the Hollywood weirdos know about consent. And that's exactly, yes. And there is intense structure in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm kind of getting at is, that's a lie. It's like, it's not it's a not... Studio 54 love fest out right. here. You're not allowed to, it's a workplace. Yeah, you can't just, like, walk into a studio and say, make my movie. And then they go, I'm the president of the studio, and I'm going to make your movie. Like, you have to right. write the thing. You have to get an agent. And you have to, like, take meetings with, like, producers and like all these different things like there is a hierarchy and if louis ck uh was talking to is in the chain yeah if yeah. he was talking to an agent and he said to that agent don't hire this woman that agent's not going to take her on because louis ck has mm-hmm. the authority to say that and that is when you transpose it over like a typical hopefully managerial not as much thing these days, yeah but... it's basically like being a manager at staples and telling your assistant manager 
hey, don't hire this person. They're weird or yeah. they're gross or I know or them. she wouldn't hook up with me. They're, they're, right. well, I, don't think, I don't think the manager at Staples is like, don't hire her. She wouldn't fuck me. <laughs> but like... They would you say clearly something have not like met that every person. manager at Staples that I've met. Yeah. No, I've I've mostly worked in food service lately, so okay. Um, my you can eat Staples if you try hard. You could, uh, if you wanted to die. You can make a good meal out of items at Staples if you try very hard. I really want your recipes. <laughs> yeah, I'll text. What them did to you have for you gotta, What did you have for dinner tonight? <laughs> Nuts and bolts. Uh, eraser casserole. Oh, oh, nice. White out frosting on top. It's not bad. Oh, I love a good white uh, eraser casserole. <laughs> I do, before we wrap up, because um, it is your interminable stay in the pit of despair, is almost thankfully going to cede to the beautiful light of morning <laughs> and hope. But before that, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask if you have advice. And I mean either for dealing with the emotions as they arise or processing through dealing with a creep and get and being done with it uh, or or practical advice on good ways to take them to task or like actually get uh, attention to the issue. Maybe if you don't have a Twitter platform, because I have to imagine some people listening to this are going through this currently. Um, So do you have advice for them? Not that I'm I'm like, save my audience. (laughs) Go. You have 30 seconds. Let me, uh, yeah, so this is how you save the world. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the best advice, the most universal advice I can give is that learning to recognize when you are being objectified and when you are being um, used and manipulated for someone else's, like, gain um, and when someone else is using their power to make you feel smaller Learning to recognize that is extremely difficult, and that is at the point in which um, you're able to like understand what's happening. Um, I had had an experience like before Mac, where someone was definitely just objectifying me, and I became mm-hmm. extre- like hyper aware of it. And when Mac started up, I immediately recognized what was happening. And I kept my own boundaries like as much as I could without jeopardizing my relationship with Cracked. Um, But even then, like it was still fucked up. And I did as much as I could at the time. But knowing that I wasn't a willing participant um and then i was being like not it, like it was never a moment of like looking back and being like oh i was duped um it was knowing at the time this is fucked up um and that helped me a lot and i would not have mm-hmm. gotten to that point um had i not experienced something previously that opened my eyes to it and so there's that and i'm not trying to put the onus on yeah. victims whatsoever it's just a general like empowerment thing like know that you deserve to be treated by men as though they are talking to a man um and not worry about this shit at work while you're trying to work if you have to worry about it that is not on you that there's already something there's already something going wrong and the more aware of it you become the easier it is to fight against it because you go through a phase where it's 
oh my God, this is happening to me. I feel dirty. Maybe it's my fault. I feel disgusting. Mm -hmm. Did I do something to cause this? I'm useless. I'm worthless. How can I fix this? To later being like, no, this is fucked up. Fuck this guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck this guy. (laughs) So like it shortens the length of that. Oh, am I doing something bad? Am I the wrong one? And instead is like, no, I'm going to burn his fucking house down. Yeah. And you want to get past that first patch right. as quickly as so, possible because it's bullshit so just in general you know know that you are an autonomous worthwhile human being who deserves to be treated just like a fucking human and if someone is not capable of doing that then uh, shit on their doorstep um and then the second mm-hmm, part mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you're like writing it down that way when you burn their house down smells, they run out the front exactly. door and slip on the shit it's yeah. it's basically like an upgraded version of the doggy uh door like it the doggy is, bag the poo yeah. bag yeah <laughs> um oh you ruined my italian loafers and i died of smoke <laughs> inhalation very good escalation <laughs> of a prank <laughs> gotcha gotcha <laughs> but so So there's that. And then um, speaking to like the coming forward and speaking out thing, there is no pressure. There is no obligation or expectation for you to say anything that you are not comfortable saying or to people that you're not comfortable saying it to. I spoke out publicly on Twitter and Facebook um, because I had already discussed things privately And I felt comfortable, like, saying it super loudly and knowing that, like, at least two people would have my back. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't have advice on how to navigate that because you just have to do what you feel is right and what you feel is best for you. If you feel that reaching out to a person who treated you like shit one-on-one is the way to go, then that's okay. That is your correct path. If you feel that blowing them up online and eviscerating whatever remains they had of whatever they were trying to call a career is the way to go, then do that. Um, If you just want to talk to a friend and confide in a friend about an experience that you had, that is correct. Like, whatever you feel comfortable with doing is the correct choice mm-hmm. and and i think uh confiding in a friend is almost always a correct choice only in the sense that there's no reason to ever be ashamed because you were victimized by someone right. else's actions right. so there's sh- that don't let that be a barrier to talking to someone if you want to talk no. to someone you've literally done nothing wrong right. you know and then plus the fact that repetition does make it easier the more you say it easier it is to say it loudly okay you know right I, right gosh I, I thought you were saying like you're the eighth time you're harassed no. is really when you no, hit your stride I, I confided <laughs> in my friend my very good friend um when it was happening mm-hmm. and then i confided in robert evans uh solid and dude. then i confided in other people at cracked and then i confided in few years later when all this um sexual harassment news was coming and bubbling up Mm -hmm. and just becoming very overwhelming i confided in someone else and then i spoke to his wife about it and 
at that point, I was scared. Like, my palms were sweaty. I didn't even know your palms could sweat that much. I can't imagine. And yeah, I went to her, and she was like, oh, yeah, he talks to women. Or he, ha- I knew that he had been talking to women. And, I, and, like, that was like a bomb went off in my head, and it just kind of kept burning um, until finally mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fucking say it because I know that there's other women out here who've experienced and this. that he's doing that right now of yeah. course yeah all, so, all signs indicate so like all of these things it was just me repeating the same process and it gets mm-hmm. it, it gets less hard i don't want to say it gets easier it gets less difficult sure and the more you do it again the more you feel like you can say it louder and you're not mm-hmm. cowering in a corner crying in your friend's car um, you are fully empowered and like whole in like you, you, just like a full throated release of this yeah. experience. And if your full throated release of this experience is limited to only yourself and of accepting that it's not your fault, that is more than enough the the goal here isn't just to like speak out on every single thing although we should the goal here is to find some sort of peace and accept that like we are good and that motherfuckers can't bring us down that's yeah and then and through processing that and self-care that static should fade like you don't deserve to carry that around Uh, I think that's great advice, Talia. Thank you so much. Uh, I bet we get very nice responses to this episode that you'll never find out about because you don't listen to podcasts. What's a podcast? Sad in a way. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's what baby cats come in, a pod cat, a cat pod. Oh my God. Yeah, that's... The the cat Wait, stork stork with a cat head. I then. I got brings I got, the cat pod. <laughs> I got my cat out of a plastic tote outside of a grocery store. Ooh, that's. I think you might have a d- defective cat. I'm oh, sorry to say. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. The stork just dropped it unceremoniously <laughs> in a sack. Yeah. Well. Um, well. Thank uh, you. Where? What? Now that you're unverified, because you're too cool for school. Ugh. How the hell will people find and follow you so they know when your book is storming the shelves? Well, I'm already following all of them. Look behind you. Oh, okay, great. Great. No. Um, mildly threatening <laughs> and great. <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter. Obviously, I'm extremely on Twitter. Um, my mm-hmm. Twitter handle has an underscore in it, and I'm sorry. It's it's a underscore Talia. There's probably, you're probably going to have notes on this. You can just copy paste it. It's a great it. pun. Yeah, it's a Talia. Oh, there will be a link in the description. Yeah, so, so just you can also just click the link in the description, folks. Do that because if you don't know what an underscore is, then you're gonna be confused. You can also just search Talia Jane, and that's my name, mm-hmm. and you'll find it there. You also find some fun if you search that online. You'll find some very unflattering articles about <laughs> <Uh-oh>. me <laughs> being entitled, um, which is what my book is oh, going to be called. And that's a Right. That's another is even if if you get to the point where you are able to speak out publicly about something that's happened to you, I just want to say for my own sake that 
you're not, I know a lot of people fear, fear how disruptive this will be to the future, you know, to whatever the stability status quo is. Status quo. You are not rocking the boat. Your their decision to do what they did started this chain reaction. Yeah. Out them so that we can get them out and continue on with having like a society of humans. Plus the fact that like the status quo fucking sucks. So why not disrupt it? Right. <laughs> it's not. It's at fault, not you. Yeah. Destroy the status quo, unionize your company, and out abusers all day, every Shit day. Shit on a doorstep or two. Shit on every doorstep. <laughs>